Friends, good morning and welcome to Bethany UCC. I'm Rebecca Anderson. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so glad that you're here for the final morning of Bleeding Hearts. That's our short February theme about what we love unironically, about being tender and deeply rooted and broken and resilient. There is Sunday school this morning that'll start in a little bit. There's a nursery downstairs for those who want in, although everybody's always welcome to stay in worship. And downstairs through those doors, that's also where you'll find bathrooms, all gender bathrooms. In October of last year, Bethany returned to Back Bay Mission in Biloxi, Mississippi, a trip we used to make regularly. Kathy Rodriguez went 10 times. Among other work, she helped move the offices of Back Bay Mission three different times when local zoning favored casinos over human services and the offices had to move. Scott Biederstadt went on these trips too. He reports having worked on cleanup and fixing fences, but says that his greatest accomplishment was painting the outside of a 40-foot steeple of a congregational church. And that, he says, is when he discovered his fear of heights. Back Bay Mission is 100 years old as of last year, and these days it is the only United Church of Christ presence on the Gulf. It started as a Sunday school program and then expanded and evolved over the years to include a health clinic, a community center. It was a locus of civil rights activity like wade-ins on Biloxi's segregated beaches. After Hurricane Katrina ripped through the region, the effects of which are still very much felt today, Back Bay supported the community in rebuilding. Today, Back Bay acts like a seawall holding back tides of poverty and discrimination. Biloxi is a city where ordinances prohibit any overnight shelters. Back Bay offers food and services to unhoused people. Back Bay helps folks stay in houses that in some cases really ought instead to be torn down. But then where would the occupants go? Back Bay runs a client choice food pantry and a day center each day of the trip we met someone from Back Bay who told us about their part of the work. One morning, we heard about the Micah Day Center, where people can shower and charge their phones. They can get help getting a social security card or a both birth certificate or both, which is really hard to do if you have neither. The staff person told us about one guest that she hadn't seen for a few years. She said it's very common for clients to stop showing up and then folks have no idea what happened to them. But in this case, they reconnected. The client had moved to another city, gotten into recovery, started a family, and has a job. She told the staffer that during her years in Biloxi, living on the streets, every night she faced terror, assault, hunger, and despair. But she said she knew that if in the morning she could just make it to the porch of the Micah Day Center, even if she had to crawl, she said, she knew she'd be okay. And sitting in that room over cups of coffee, I thought of that bleeding woman crawling out into the streets to touch the hem of Jesus' robe, because she knew that was all it would take. Sometime after John the Baptist baptized Jesus, he was arrested and he was languishing in prison. And from prison, he heard what Jesus was doing, and John sent his own disciples to investigate. He had them ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or are we supposed to wait for another one? Jesus sent them back to John, saying, go and tell him what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, 
The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. On the second day of the trip, Linton Childs here from church texted me to say, I'm so glad we're doing this. He texted that from Chicago. This is a trip that we took, all of us. We used money from a large tithe we set aside as a congregation, and we went to Biloxi. We're going again. We have dates for both this year and next. And this morning, we're here to tell you what we saw and heard. Jesus is in Biloxi. Um, so I'm just going to talk real quick. Um, this is kind of in the form of a manifesto, like for future trips. If you want to use this, you're free to. Um, but it'll give you some insight into my experience of this trip. So first off, um, as you're driving down to Biloxi, the playlist situation, it has to be equitable, and ours was. Everyone got a chance to play their music. Um, we have some staples for future trips, some Dolly Parton, he's alive. Uh, don't think twice, it's all right, Bob Dylan. Uh, it's all coming back to me now, Celine Dion. Eclectic playlists, um, and all Sondheim, obviously. Um, on the way back, um, you'll have a three-hour church service in the morning where we play hymns and secular songs about God. Vince didn't ride with us in the van, but had he, he would have been allowed to play 30 minutes at least of bird songs. But because the playlist, it has to be equitable. Um, don't be timid about asking for pee breaks. We made a lot of stops. Uh, bladders don't sink up, so don't be afraid. Uh, you'll be put to use. The majority of us were unskilled, um, or at least our skill set was irrelevant. Um, you will be put to use. If you are skilled, please do come on the trip as well. Um, if you are anxious about the bathroom situation, the showering situation, um, let me, it's okay. Um, I am not a modest person, however, I am extremely anxious and I voiced my concerns about the bathroom on the way down. I was pleased with the facilities. If you'd like more specifics about them, I can <laughs> just approach me afterwards. Um, you won't be alone on this trip, but you can be at times if you need it. So if you're that introverted person who needs that, um, you can find time. You will also see the ocean. You'll drive by it every single day, and you may want to swim in it like I did, but no one on the trip will swim with you. So um, there will be a dog on the trip. Uh, James, uh, the executive director, will bring his dog in the mornings. If you don't like dogs, don't worry. This one you can outrun. He's old, he's harmless, and a delight. Uh, you will be advised when you go and work on a project that the clients uh, that they serve may request more work that's kind of outside of scope. Um, and they'll tell you, we don't really do that. But then you'll watch them attempt to do that. Um, they did everything that they could to serve their clients. We helped uh, a woman uh, repair her floors and she was asking for more help. And they would tell us, we don't really do that, but then you see Vince and Johnny putting in a shelf that worked, I think. Um, I also want to just take this moment to apologize to everyone that went on the trip for my 
um, antics during game board play in the evenings. I was pretty aggressive, and I apologize for future trips. Um, the project leader will also entrust you with power tools that you may have no experience using, and they will let you take chances with it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's wise or not, but that's just a word to the wise for future. You will be trusted with things maybe you shouldn't be. Johnny will cry on the trip, and so will you. Um, we all cried. Um, so if that's not your thing, you know, you can just do the little scratch thing on the corner of the eye. Every morning, we heard from one of the workers of Back Bay Mission, and they shared stories about getting messy, because the problem of helping the unhoused find home, homes, of feeding people who are food insecure or don't have food, it, it gets complicated. And each morning, they would tell us a story about something that's within the scope of their job, and then all the different ways they brought their whole lives into it to try to solve these problems. One morning, Sarah, uh, after she met with us, um, she's a worker at Back Bay Mission, she went and uh, to court for one of the clients uh, that they served. The next morning, she went and advocated to politicians about some local law thing. And then the next, uh, Mimi came and talked to us, who is a hoot, and I'm sure we'll all probably mention Mimi, but she uh, was coordinating with Vince and Rebecca about moving furniture, and then the next morning we were trying to find a hospital bed that would accommodate one of the clients. They bring their whole, their whole selves to this work that they do, and all of them were super inspirational uh, to me. My understanding of finding housing for the unhoused feeding those who need food, it was impacted by this trip. It was, my understanding was definitely expanded. When I got back, I was reflecting on the trip, and all of us were kind of suffering withdrawal uh, from the trip, from each other. But in reflection, I remember I was thinking about all of the therapy I've done in my life, and I've done a lot. Um, all of the books I've read, like self-helpy stuff, all the Instagram inspirational quotes I've read, have really given me a language, this elaborate language to build boundaries and to protect my heart. Um, and that's good. We should have boundaries, we should protect our hearts. But it, at some point, I built up this wall and stopped really serving, I guess. And I was inspired by this community of workers at Back Bay Mission. I was inspired by my tripmates, um, I'm not advocating for boundaryless service, um, but I am advocating that maybe we should challenge our capacity to bleed more, to let our hearts bleed. And I think this community, Bethany, um, has given me the opportunity to challenge my capacity to bleed more. And I think when we're serving together, when we're bleeding together, our capacity to do that um, is greater. So, thanks. Did you know that all angels are gay? It's true. God created them that way. A thin man with kind blue eyes said that to me on my last day in Biloxi. I was working at the Micah Day Center, which is Back Bay's uh, mission, which is Back Bay Mission's community center. His fun fact had caught me off guard because it was also the first thing he had said to me. 
I replied, I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing. He smiled kindly and meandered back to his seat to wait for his turn to take a shower along with 50 other unhoused people on a list. Now I'll be the first to admit, I had never even believed that angels were straight, but in the same breath, I had never thought about angels having preferences or personal lives or relations, but despite my lack of knowledge on the subject and the oddity of his timing, that brief interaction felt significant to me. I can't quite explain why. Maybe because he was so calm and yet so confident that it made me wonder for a split second if I had just crossed paths with an angel myself. And I experienced many unexplainable moments of significance while volunteering at Back Bay Mission. Moments I'd usually gloss over where it felt like something holy was nearby. Sometimes it felt like something holy was nearby when talking to other people we served, like when Miss Michelle, the woman whose home we were helping to repair for most of our mission trip, pulled me aside from the group to show me her boot collection. We had been chatting about boots casually because mine were held together with duct tape. That's a different story. <laughs> and she told me to follow her into her bedroom across the hall. There she revealed an impressive closet full of large leather cowboy boots. And in passing, she mentioned that this collection was actually her former husband's that she still held on to. We lingered in silence together for a moment after that, and I couldn't shake the feeling that it was important for some reason that I couldn't quite explain. Other times, it felt like the Holy Spirit was nearby simply when all of the Bethany folks were cracking jokes and laughing together, which was much of the trip. One of my favorite examples of this was a small exchange I had with Vince. It was Wednesday night, and our group had gone to a local brewery after dinner. After half an hour there, I remembered there was also a local church service happening on Wednesday night that we had talked about maybe attending, but I hadn't heard anything about since the orientation. I casually asked Vince, hey, uh, wasn't that optional church service tonight? He immediately turned to me and said, yeah, we chose the other option, and he took a swig of his drink. <laughs> I burst out laughing, <laughs> feeling glad for the good nature of our crew. And again, the moment felt very meaningful to me for a reason I couldn't fully explain. I know I'm speaking in vague terms when I say it felt like there was something holy nearby while in Bluxy, but I think what I'm perhaps trying to get at is that during our trip, it felt like I was consciously encountering the Holy Spirit in a way that I don't often do in my average day-to-day -day life. Finding God in all sorts of seemingly random moments while down there made my faith feel so alive that, if only for a split second, it felt entirely plausible that I could have run into an actual angel. All I can say is I must really love Rebecca because I hate public speaking. I, am interest I was interested in the mission trip as soon as I heard about it. And then I spent the next oh, several months assessing whether I had the stamina and skill set to work an eight-hour day for five days a week. Fortunately, they tailor the jobs to the skill set of the volunteer group and have a supervisor who is more skilled. On the job site, I mostly painted baseboards, did some caulking, handed boards, and did some sweeping and general tidying up. I also assembled simple lunches and drinks for the day. The mission also has other areas of service, including the day center and the food bank. I loved working at the food bank. I really enjoy stocking shelves. Um, they don't just have uh, people get a bag of groceries. They actually have it set up as a store, and people get to shop for what they want and what they need. They try to have a variety so people can actually make full meals and not just snacks. 
Due to inflation, they've had a major increase in their clientele. They have a separate section for the unhoused who may not have access to refrigerators, stoves, or, um, and they also need easy open containers. In the morning, I had been warned that afternoon that I would be dealing with their most cantankerous customer, a 92-year-old who did not like following the rules or limitations of what she was allowed to take. I was told numerous times, you will not please her, you will not satisfy her, so just know that. The head of the food bank had gone out on her lunch hour specifically to buy this woman butter because she knew she would be really mad if she didn't have butter. In the afternoon, Rebecca was working with me, but I hadn't had time to clue her in about this woman. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Rebecca's eyes kept looking at me, somewhat amazed, when I hopefully, kindly enforced the rules and even had to put items back on the shelf. I heard her complain to the head of the food bank as she left. We had a good laugh at the end of the day about this. One of the best part of the trips was bonding with the other people who went. We laughed, we talked, we sang our way down to Biloxi and through the week. The shared experiences was allowed for deeper levels of communication. I didn't know all the artists or songs on their playlist, but I knew more than I thought I might, <laughs> since they had such a broad taste in music. In closing, I can neither deny or confirm the allegations regarding my having stolen a truck for a joyride with Bud and Joey, but fortunately what happens in Biloxi, other than what's talked about today, stays in Biloxi. As you can tell, um, I'm Vince's dad, and he walks better than I do, and he writes better than I do, and sometimes he talks better than I do. All that said, in 1985, uh, from an affluent community of the suburbs of Cleveland, I took a group of teenagers to the Back Bay Mission. We had two chaperones, an 18-passenger bus, and a U-Haul trailer. And we took off from Cleveland to Mississippi. When we got there, we weren't sure what we were going to be doing, but because it was the end of July, we knew we'd be finishing up tasks that had been started by others before us. The uh, group could not work afternoon because the temperature was too hot. Uh, we found out we were painting a house or finishing up painting a house. And after the first day, the kids looked at me and said, why are we doing this? And I said, because we're down here to serve. Well, these kids knew what service was, but not quite what some of the hard work was that they were doing. But their biggest question was, why are we painting this house this color? <laughs> and these were affluent teenage kids and we were painting the house of an 87-year-old black woman. And I said, I don't know, ask her. 
Every day when we were done working, they'd sit down with this lady, and she would tell them stories. But the first day they said, why are we painting this house this color? And she said, because it's a color of money, and I ain't never had none. And that was enough for them. Throughout the four days that we were there working on the house, she told them lots of stories. Stories about picking cotton, picking, yeah, see if I can say this right, picking the heads off shrimp for the shrimping industry. And on the last day that we were there, two of the kids came running up to me with this terrible look on their face saying, she just climbed up in the attic. And I went up and she, indeed she had climbed up the scaffolding that we had and had fallen through her roof, her ceiling rather, missing her ceiling fan by about six inches. We got her out and the kids decided we had to fix it. And so we would take one of our gentlemen, his name was Dan, he would put on a long sleeve shirt, a jacket, a mask, a scarf, gloves, climb up the scaffolding and go inside the attic where it was 105 degrees outside. And we have no idea what the temperature was inside. He would work for about 40 seconds before we would have to drag him out pull all the clothes off of him, get in some air, and he'd go back in. It was important to the kids because they knew that this lady had just ripped a hole in her ceiling and her air conditioning was going right out the ceiling and she didn't have any money to get it fixed. They had learned a lot about her and about her life but the most that they had to learn, they hadn't quite gotten yet. The next day when they were done, she said, I wanna give you all lunch. And these kids had no idea what to expect for lunch. Each day this lady had taken her machete out and cut watermelon for each of them out of a freezer or refrigerator that she just kept watermelon in. And the last day, she served them all salmon, not fresh caught, fresh salmon. She had eight cans of salmon. She made salmon patties that none of them had ever seen before, let alone eat. And they all ate them. They actually enjoyed them. And when they were done, they asked me, why did she do that? And I said, why did you come down here to paint her house. And they said, well, because we wanted to serve, we wanted to do something that we think God wants us to do. And I said, well, that's what she was doing too. She was serving them. And on that trip, they learned what it meant to serve and to be served. And in general, that's what the offering in the church is about. It's about serving and being served by others. And now, are you going to come up and announce the song? <laughs>
Thank you.